please join me in the prayer for illumination. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your will, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning is found in Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 40. Listen for the word of the Lord. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer, night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There is debate over whether the 12 days of Christmas song was created as a symbolic metaphor for Christianity, where each number means something, like 10 lords a-leaping is really the Ten Commandments, and the three French hens is the Trinity. And then can you guess what the partridge and the pear tree would be? Researchers say it is more likely a nearly two centuries old memory game song that was first published in a riddle book where you would be out if you didn't get it right when it was your turn, which is more like how my family sang this song on car trips when I was a child. But the song does get two things about Christmas right. 
that there are actually 12 days of Christmas. So we are in the Christmas season that lasts from December 25th to Epiphany, the light of Jesus shining out into the world on January 6th. Of course, that's in the Western Church. If you are Eastern Orthodox, those dates are a bit different. And the other thing it gets right is that two turtle doves is a biblical reference. As we now know from Luke chapter 2, which refers back to Leviticus chapter 8, where a poor mother without enough money for a lamb could bring two turtle doves instead to the temple. That was an acceptable offering after the birth of a baby. Luke spends about as many verses in chapter 2 describing Joseph and Mary visiting the temple with Jesus as all of the birth narrative that came before it from that decree from Emperor Augustus through the shepherds glorifying and praising God. So this is important for Luke, for what this says about the role of Jesus and his birth as the fulfillment of God's promise of salvation, the light to the Gentiles and the glory to Israel. Mary and Joseph are solidly in line with Jewish traditions and expectations here. The verse before this, he is circumcised and named. And now here he is there for a dedication, a presentation of the baby in the temple and for Mary and Joseph and purification. Usually that was just for the mom, but it seems to include Joseph here too. We know that transportation in Jesus' day for poor parents without enough money, even for a lamb, was likely walking, maybe the donkey was still around, which would mean about a two-hour walk from Bethlehem to Jerusalem with an eight-day-old baby. That is some commitment to the law of the Lord as Luke describes it. So the scene is now set for the entrance of two prophets, for Simeon and for Anna, and both are described in a way that shows that they are the real deal. Simeon, it says, is righteous and devout. He has been told he will see the Lord's Messiah before he dies. Anna is named a prophetess who is either 84 years old or, because the Greek isn't clear, has been a widow for 84 years. It's a long life of worshiping night and day, fasting and praying. Simeon and Anna are there, and they are ready. They are ready because in Simeon's case, a life of watchfulness and hope, a man who is close with the Holy Spirit, so close the Spirit rests on him and reveals things to him and is so open as to the Spirit's guiding him to be in the temple on that very day. They're ready because in Anna's case, she has been doing the work fasting and praying night and day, persevering in the long years of her life in what Eugene Peterson describes as the work of faith, a long obedience in the same direction. Or what Soren Kierkegaard, the Danish philosopher, calls the purity of heart, which is to will one thing. And what he means by that one thing is the will of God. There is nothing that tells us that Anna and Simeon were expecting to meet the Lord's Messiah, the consolation of Israel, God's salvation, the light for revelation to the Gentiles, the glory of Israel, the redemption of Jerusalem, 
all phrases that describe Jesus in this passage as an eight-day-old baby in the temple. But their lives were ready and spirit-filled and built on the work of faith practices so that when Simeon sees him, the old man draws him into his arms and praises God, knowing that a completion of his life has happened. He can go in peace, for he is holding in his arms the salvation of God, the culmination of a life of waiting. And Anna makes a beeline for the family and gives thanks to God and speaks about the child. It says, to all, to all who were looking forward for the promise of the redemption of Israel. I wonder if this long passage is included here in Luke, because while Simeon might now be dismissed from his post, that Anna just keeps on speaking. And the rest of the years of her already long life, she tells everyone about the child, the signs of God's redemption. We have turned the calendar page from 2020. Lord, have mercy. And maybe we are looking for signs of hope and what we pray will be a better year, maybe a return to normal. Although 10 years after everything so abruptly changing, it's hard to even think about what that word means at this point. Hope for the distribution of vaccines to reach them or loved ones or to achieve herd immunity. Some hope maybe for a better financial situation, to pay down debt, to get back to work or increased hours or a new job, for the arrival of stimulus checks. Some may be hopeful in a change of political leadership or perhaps in the health benefits of dry January. Some may hope to see the fruits of anti-racism work within our church and our country, for kids to go back to school, to see long-lost friends and resume activities and to never Zoom again. Although I think that might actually be here to stay in some way, so let's just say maybe not so much. You may have some of these for yourself, or maybe it's a different list of hopes, prayers, New Year's resolutions, things that point towards wellness for you and your family, for our country, and for our world. Anna and Simeon remind us that these hopes are only our hopes because the birth of Jesus has changed the world. Jesus is the ground of all hope, and he is the source of all light. He is the comfort and the consolation and the incarnation of God's love. That's his. But here's what's ours. Persevering in the long obedience in the same direction that is God's will, the love of God spread by our words and shown in our actions and witnessed to by our service. Being so close to the Holy Spirit that someone would describe it like the Holy Spirit resting upon you. And that the Spirit and we talk to each other and the Spirit guides each of us each day. Doing the work of the practices of faith, persevering in the years of praying and worshiping and fasting or whatever faith practices you are building. 
and then being open to the light of revelation wherever it comes, a baby in the arms of a family too poor to buy a lamb, counting on the words of scripture that are tightly held in their hearts to be fulfilled and then recognized right before their very eyes. I remember Pastor Scott speaking about perseverance as being one of his favorite words to describe the spirit of the Lewinsville congregation. And well, we have had some chances to really put the rubber to the road on that one this year. And it will now be one of my favorite words to describe you all as well. How in the global pandemic, we persevered together while apart in our care and calling and check-ins in friendship and joy, in prayer and in mourning in supporting this church's ministry, in expanding what the deacons could do for emergency needs and responding when mission needs arise, and worshiping online even when we are very over it. Why else would we do this? Would we persevere other than our hope together that the birth of Jesus has changed the world? That he is the ground of all hope and the source of all light, and that the promise of Christmas, that he is with us in all of it, not only connects us, but is the strength of our perseverance in faith and together as a faith community. The cellist, Pablo Casals, regarded as one of the greatest cello players and composers of the 20th century, was asked at the age of 93, why he continued to practice the cello for three hours every day. And Casals replied like this, I'm beginning to notice some improvement. And that's the thing that's in me. I notice myself getting better at this. That's a remarkable line full of humanity and hope and the joy in life of doing one thing over and over and over again dedication to an art, not unlike the dedication of Simeon and Anna, of our church and of our own lives and faith in Jesus, who is himself both the purpose and the one who gives us the strength to fulfill it, the strength to continue to move towards him. With this Christmas promise, in the words of the Reverend Dr. Neil F. Fisher, that nothing builds perseverance more than the conviction that in some real sense, the victory has already been won. The victory won by a baby held in the arms of an old man recognized in the heart of an old woman. Such are the surprising revelations of the God we serve. Thanks be. Let us pray. Gracious God, you are a surprising, miraculous Savior as you sent Jesus, a baby, to be the light for the world. May we follow that light. May it shine through us out into the world. That is a light that cannot be overcome by anything, and it is our hope. We pray in his name. Amen.